Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. And this is Mary Kay Cabot. And this is the Orange and Brown Talk podcast about, what, 45 minutes after the Browns' uh, 26-18 win over the Cincinnati Bengals, a game, uh, Mary Kay, that was not even that close. And of course, uh, I want to say real quickly, we are brought to you by Sibling Revelry Brewing. If you missed our live event there uh, earlier this week, uh, check it out on our feed. Uh, I put up a live version of that, or a taped version of the live event, uh, so you can check that out if you missed it. So thanks to them for having the having us and for sponsoring us as well. So, Mary Kay, let's get to it. The Browns uh, jump out to a 23-0 lead on the Bengals, then kind of hang on a little bit. The Bengals made it interesting at the end, but but the reality is, and this is what I wrote in my, my kind of post-game analysis, this was kind of one big celebration for this fan base and for this football team uh, in, in their final home game here at First Energy Stadium. Yeah, you know what? Uh, the way that I kind of wrote it a little bit, Dan, in my, in my early gamer was that Baker Mayfield invited these fans out to a Christmas party and showed everybody a really <laughs> good time. And basically that's what it felt like here at First Energy Stadium. Everyone had a grand old time. Everyone was in on the party. Now the Bengals did come back and make it close, scoring eight. 18 points in the fourth quarter, but there was a Jarvis Landry 63-yard pass to Richard Perriman. There was a 66-yard catch and run by David Njoku at the end to basically seal and preserve the victory after the Bengals made it a little bit close. There were three touchdown passes by Baker Mayfield, 100 yards by Nick Chubb, some really good sacks by the defense. Uh, It was, uh, you know, you had Hugh Jackson on the sidelines. Again, at the end, there was a little bit of gamesmanship when you saw Baker Mayfield staring him down on that 66-yard catch and run, uh, just kind of running past uh, Hugh Jackson and giving him the evil eye a little bit. So there was a little bit of every single thing in this game. But for the most part, it was party time for Browns fans who watched their Cleveland Browns go 5-2-1 5-2-1 and one at home and kind of established themselves as a good football team. Yeah, this was not, I mean, it was sort of a going away party, but it was more of a, hey, we're saying goodbye to you now, but we're really excited about what we're going to see from you when you come back to this place next year. Obviously a lot between now and then, but, um, you know, let's, let's start with Baker Mayfield. Sluggish start, him and Jarvis Landry were not on the same page early. He was fairly inaccurate early. And he finishes the day 27 of 37, 284, three touchdowns, does not throw an interception again. The offensive line gave him all kinds of time to throw the ball for the most part today. Uh, This was, you know, again, Baker Mayfield just establishing himself more and more as this team's quarterback of the future. And and what I really liked and and what I think, I think it means a lot 
he, he takes that hit down on the far sideline from where we're sitting. Uh, you know, it wasn't – could have possibly brought out a flag. It wasn't as bad as it looked in real time. But uh, the defender landed on top of Baker, and all of a sudden a whole bunch of Browns players, including Jarvis Landry, run over. Uh, they, they let the Bengals player know. I believe it was Carlos Dunlap. I yeah, can't remember Carlos who Dunlap. They, yep. they let Carlos Dunlap know uh, that that's not okay. They helped Baker up. I mean, that's what you do when you have a quarterback and a guy you believe in. You go over there and you make sure if, if somebody does something you don't like to him, you make sure that you let him know you don't like it. Yeah, you know what? There's a brotherhood and a camaraderie uh, being established amongst these players. They're having a great time together. You see, after Rashard Higgins touchdown, they do the uh, red carpet paparazzi <laughs> thing down there. Uh, you know, like you said, those guys jumped to Baker's defense. They got the crowd all fired up after that Higgy touchdown. You saw... Baker Mayfield up on the scoreboard, whipping the crowd up into a frenzy. There were Baker chants. I mean, there's something going on here at the lakefront. It all starts with Baker Mayfield. It started when he came off the bench in that Jets game and busted open those beer coolers everywhere <laughs> and got the party started, and the party has been going on ever since that day. And, and you mentioned that celebration, and again, one of those little things that, that you kind of look at and say, okay, one of the guys celebrating with the group, one of the guys pretending to take pictures – it was Baker Mayfield. He, he's right there with that group celebrating. He's not elevating himself above any, anyone else. It, it's just interesting to sort of see that dynamic develop between quarterback and teammates. Yeah, he's established himself as a leader of his teammates, a leader of these fans. I mean, look, he called basically called out fans after the last game and said, hey, you guys, I know it's cold out here, but you need to come out here. There's something going on. You need to get out to this game. And lo and behold, it was a salt sellout. He's even got Browns fans eating out of his hands. So uh, it's the Baker factor all the way around. And this game, again, was a sellout. I, you know, I looked up, looked out there. You know, in the fourth quarter, everybody was still here. Everybody was on their feet having a great time. People were here to witness that David Njoku uh, catch and run there for 66 yards down to the four and to watch Baker sort of backpedaling past Hugh Jackson uh, with, you know, giving him the, the little bit of the look there. Uh, there. There were people, you know, here to, you know, get mad that Carlos Dunlap landed on Baker there. So, uh, you know, he has he has lit this city on fire and – I just think, Dan, it's such a darn shame for Browns fans that this red-hot football team led by Baker Mayfield is going home after next week because (laughs) this is a darn good football team. It was a playoff team right from the start. How did we know that? We had guys that came from other teams that had been on good football teams like Demarius Randall and Jarvis Landry telling us, hey, this is a playoff team team and we're going to the playoffs this year and if not really I mean most simply uh, for a couple of missed kicks they they would be going to the playoffs this yeah. year. Yeah well Demarius Randall has maintained from the start and you know Demarius Randall can say some things that are a little over the top but he maintained from the start that this was the most talented team he's ever been on. This guy played for the Packers yeah. for well four years so um you know, that, that says something when guys come over uh, and, and they say things like that. And, you know, my brother-in-law texts me during games sometimes. And one of the things he texted me today was, uh, it used to be the Browns on the other side of this. It used to be the Browns with a quarterback like Jeff Driscoll. Yeah. You know, getting outpassed by Jarvis Landry for most of the game. Yeah. Um, it used to be the Browns just playing out this string of games. And even though the Browns are, I guess, technically playing out the string now since they're out of the playoffs... You can just tell it's different. You can tell there's something building for the for the future here. Well, I think that um, Browns fans could see that the very day that, that Baker came off that field in the Jets game. And that was way more than just a victory that day. 
it was the start of something big. And I think everybody in this stadium felt that that day. It became the factory of gladness when he came off that bench and won that football game. And this is a good football team, and it's only going to get better because they have, again, 11 draft picks. They've got all kinds of cap space. John Dorsey's going to uh, upgrade some positions and make this team better. And, uh, you know, it's just it's great for Browns fans to see. Now, I think it should be noted once again. Yeah. This was a horrible defense, okay? <laughs> and in some cases, the Bengals had their B team out there today. But this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to come out and kick the behind of a team like this that's down. None of us thought that the Bengals had any chance to win this game. The Browns were 10-point favorites. Uh, but isn't that a weird unfamiliar position to be in to, to go into a game knowing that the Browns are going to kick somebody's tail. And then they do it. And then they do it. Even even though the Bengals got within eight, you know, I don't think anyone really felt like they were going to come back and win the game. Uh, they jump out to a 23 nothing lead. I mean, it was a few weeks ago against the Texans when they were down 23 nothing at halftime. So, right. you know, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. And, and next year, when the expectations are the postseason, right. you know, that's, that's how you get to nine wins, ten wins, 11 wins, whatever, you beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And when they play the Bengals twice next year, if they're still down, they've got to win both those games. I mean, teams have been getting fat off the Browns in the AFC North for years. Right. And, you know, and I do think, once again, and I've been trying to temper the enthusiasm just a, a little bit because they have been playing some some bad defenses during this this hot stretch of theirs. But I still think that what you're seeing from Baker Mayfield and from this Browns offense will hold up against good defenses. Now, obviously, they're going to get a chance to test that theory out next week in Baltimore. We saw what the Ravens did to the Chargers yesterday. (laughs) And I kept on thinking, wow, this Ravens team is lights out on defense right now. And that is going to be one of the stiffest challenges that Baker Mayfield has had to date that defense because they are getting after it. Uh, But once again, no interceptions for him, no sacks. I mean, he has not been sacked hardly at all in the last five or six games. So that's going to be really interesting. He's getting the ball out very quickly. They're scheming it up that way. And let's talk about Freddie Kitchens for another minute. I mean, we've talked about this, Dan, and I wrote a column uh, this week saying that he should be interviewed for the Browns head coaching job, and I still feel that way. And you you kidded around about this during the game on Twitter, and I kind of did too, that he's he's not verbally necessarily necessarily campaigning for the job but he's putting it out there that hey everybody look at what we can do as an offense and look at the kind of plays that I can call yeah and I I mean the question you have to ask is what kind of offense do you want this team to run I mean isn't this the offense fans have been wanting an innovative offense that uses a lot of motion misdirection not afraid to throw some trickery in it fits what Baker Mayfield does Um, that's, that's whenever I've asked guys what does Freddie do differently one of the things they say is he plays to the strengths of Baker Mayfield. Right. And and this is what Browns fans have said they've wanted from an offensive coordinator or a head coach ever since the, they made the change after the Pittsburgh game. Well, and maybe maybe they stumbled across that guy. Maybe they did. I mean, what happens when you're looking for a new head coach? You interview the hot coordinators. Well, there's not a coordinator that is much hotter than Freddie Kitchens right now. Yeah. I mean, he is putting on a show, emptying the playbook, and having fun. He's brought fun back to this offense, okay? They're having a good, good time. Everybody's getting to play a role. Everybody's getting to play a part. Jarvis Landry's getting to throw the ball. <laughs> Duke Johnson's involved on different things. They're doing, like you said, they're doing jet sweeps. They're they're doing motions. They're 
doing all tight ends are involved. Some there's multiple tight ends in some formations. Uh, everybody's getting to to eat at the trough of Freddie Kitchens right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking through uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different receivers caught the football, including Seth DeValve today. Yeah, right. Dontrell Hilliard had a catch. Now, one of the things that stood out to me, as I mentioned it earlier, Jarvis and, and Baker were not on the same page earlier. No. So Freddie Kitchens sends in this weird little play where Jarvis goes in motion, that motions back, you know, after the snap goes the other way and they throw the ball back to him. It was a play clearly designed to get Jarvis the football, get it in his hands. Right. And it's just little things like that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's been 20 years we've heard coaches and coordinators say, well, we got to get that guy the ball more. We have to get him more involved more. And, and Freddie's actually finding a way to do that. He knows he needs sometimes to force feed Jarvis Landry a little bit, to keep him engaged, keep him involved. And, and that's what he did. And really, Landry played a whole lot. He ended up with four catches, 47 yards through the touchdown pass. All of a sudden, Jarvis looked like a different player after just that one little play. Yeah, exactly. And that is important. If it's not working out in terms of the chemistry sometimes between Baker and Jarvis, and that has been an issue all season long, and I maintain that it's been an issue because Baker Mayfield never took first-team reps in training camp no matter what. They never let him take one. It didn't matter what he looked like. didn't matter what he was doing. They were determined that he was not going to get a first-team rep in training camp. And now doesn't that look kind of silly, Dan? <laughs> doesn't it look a little silly? Yeah. Well, and it came up afterwards, too, uh, after the game. Um, Joel Batonio mentioned something about why part of why what Baker's done has been so impressive is he only had that one series with the first team back in the preseason. So, I mean, guys guys know, guys understand that, that it takes time, and, and now you're seeing what's happened as he's gotten more comfortable. Well, the unfortunate part about that, and who knows what would have happened had they given him those first team reps and let him beat out Tyrod Taylor in training camp, which he surely would have done if you just went from a purely football standpoint. Uh, who knows how this season would have turned out. Maybe, maybe this was uh, – the way that it was meant to be, if they wanted to make a coaching change, uh, maybe it kind of, for them, had to be like this. Uh, and, and, and who knows? I mean, I think that this is one of the best teams in the NFL not in the playoffs, and, and I maintain that it's unfortunate they're not, that they're not uh, because they really should be. This is a playoff-caliber football team, and it's too bad for Browns fans that they have to wait until next year again. Have to, you have to say, wait till next year when they've got uh, the, the good and a good enough football team this year. Uh, real quickly, Nick Chubb, 19 carries, 112 yards. Uh, he's nearing 1,000 yards uh, now. He has a chance to get it next week, though it's going to be tough against that Baltimore team. Uh, I think he's 28 yards shy at this point. Uh, and then... The one other thing we need to talk about, Denzel Ward left the game to get checked for a concussion. Yeah. I, I don't know if Greg said anything after the game about if there was any final sort of, if he has one, if he's in the protocol or not. But uh, at this point, they probably have to consider just kind of shutting Ward down uh, and, and probably not running him out there against Baltimore. At least that's, that's what I, I would do. Yeah, I, I think that that's probably the way that it will go. When you have uh, your second concussion in just a couple of weeks and you're not playing for anything in the finale in terms of playoffs or anything like that, it really probably wouldn't be very wise to try to run him out there even if he gets back to his baseline. I don't think he will. If they call this a concussion, he probably will not play in the final game. That's the way that it should be. Now he's got the whole off season to heal and uh, – 
Too bad for him because the one that he got a couple of weeks ago was the very first concussion that he'd ever had in his career. You saw the same thing happen with Vontez Perfect. He was questionable with the concussion for this game, and he left the game with a concussion. So when you are coming off of one and you have that head impact again, it's very easy for it for to get another concussion. And here's hoping that, that Denzel is totally fine and uh, gets back to himself within a couple of weeks. Yeah, and, and you've got to play it careful. With, you've got to play it careful with those sorts of things anyway. Uh, but with a guy like Denzel, who is a key piece to your future, uh, there's, there's not a whole lot of point in, in running him out uh, next week against the Ravens. Okay, so the Browns 26-18 to 18 winners over the Cincinnati Bengals. Their home schedule is done. They go to Baltimore next Sunday night. We, of course, are on pins and needles as we record this, not knowing when that game is going to be played. Um, this is right after the game. It could get flexed, could not. By the time you listen to this, you'll probably know. Uh, but either way, we will have complete coverage of it. We'll have a post-game podcast maybe at 2 in the morning, maybe at 6 o'clock next week. We'll see what, uh, what happens. Thanks to Sibling Revelry Brewing for sponsoring us. For Mary Kay Cabot, I'm Dan Lobby. Thanks for listening.